Sir Humphrey Gilbert's Voyage to Newfoundland by Edward Hayes. A report of the voyage and success thereof, attempted in the year of our Lord 1583, by Sir Humphrey Gilbert, Knight, with other gentlemen assisting him in that action, intended to discover and to plant Christian inhabitants in place convenient, upon those large and ample countries extended northward from the Cape of Florida, lying under very temperate climes, esteemed fertile and rich in minerals, yet not in the actual possession of any Christian prince. Written by Emmer Edward H.A.S., gentleman, and principal actor in the same voyage, who alone continued unto the end, and, by God's special assistance, returned home with his retinue safe and entire. Many voyages have been pretended, yet hitherto never any thoroughly accomplished by our nation, of exact discovery into the bowels of those main, ample, and vast countries extended infinitely into the north from thirty degrees, or rather from twenty-five degrees, of septentrional latitude, neither hath a right way been taken of planting a Christian habitation and regiment too upon the same, as well may appear both by the little we yet do actually possess therein, and by our ignorance of the riches and secrets within those lands, which unto this day we know chiefly by the travel and report of other nations, and most of the French, who albeit they cannot challenge such right and interest unto the said countries as we, neither these many years have had opportunity nor means so great to discover and to plant, being vexed with the calamities of intestine wars, as we have had by the inestimable benefit of our long and happy peace, yet have they both ways performed more, and had long. Since attained a sure possession and settled government of many provinces in those northerly parts of America, if their many attempts into those foreign and remote lands had not been impeached by their garboils at home. The first discovery of these coasts, never heard of before, was well begun by John Cabot the father and Sebastian his son, an Englishman born, who were the first finders out of all that great tract of land stretching from the Cape of Florida unto those islands which we now call the Newfoundland, all which they brought and annexed unto the crown of England. Since when, if with like diligence the search of inland countries had been followed, as the discovery upon the coast and outparts thereof was performed by those two men, no doubt Her Majesty's territories and revenue had been mightily enlarged and advanced by this day, and, which is more, the seed of Christian religion had been sowed amongst those pagans, which by this time might have brought forth a most plentiful harvest and copious congregation of Christians, which must be the chief intent. Of such as shall make any attempt that way, or else whatsoever is builded upon other foundation shall never obtain happy success nor continuance. And although we cannot precisely judge, which only belongeth to God, what have been the humours of men stirred up to great attempts of discovering and planting in those remote countries, yet the events do shew that either God's cause hath not been chiefly preferred by them, or else God hath not permitted so abundant grace as the light of his word and knowledge of him to be yet revealed unto those infidels before the appointed time. But most assuredly, the only cause of religion hitherto hath kept back and will also bring forward at the time assigned by God, an effectual and complete discovery and possession by Christians both of those ample countries and the riches within them hitherto concealed, whereof, notwithstanding, God in his wisdom hath permitted to be revealed from time to time a certain obscure and misty knowledge, by little and little to allure the minds of men that way, which else will be dull enough in the zeal of his cause, and thereby to prepare us unto a readiness for the execution of his will, 
against the due time ordained of calling those pagans unto Christianity. In the meanwhile it behoveth every man of great calling, in whom is any instinct of inclination unto this attempt, to examine his own motions, which, if the same proceed of ambition or avarice, he may assure himself it cometh not of God, and therefore cannot have confidence of God's protection and assistance against the violence, else irresistible, both of sea and infinite perils upon the land, whom God yet may use, as, an instrument to further his cause and glory some way, but not to build. Upon so bad a foundation. Otherwise, if his motives be derived from a virtuous and heroical mind, preferring chiefly the honor of God, compassion of poor infidels captived by the devil, tyrannizing in most wonderful and dreadful manner over their bodies and souls, advancement of his honest and well-disposed countrymen, willing to accompany him in such honorable actions, relief of sundry people within this realm distressed. All these be honorable purposes, imitating the nature of the munificent God, wherewith he is. Well pleased, who will assist such an actor, beyond expectation of man. And the same, who feeleth this inclination in himself, by all likelihood may hope, or rather confidently repose in the preordinance of God, that in this last age of the world, or likely never, the time is complete of receiving also these Gentiles into his mercy, and that God will raise him an instrument to effect the same, it seeming probable by event of precedent attempts made by the Spaniards and French sundry times, that the countries lying north of Florida God hath reserved the same to be reduced unto Christian civility by the English nation. For not long after that Christopher Columbus had discovered the islands and continent of the West Indies for Spain, John and Sebastian Cabot made discovery also of the rest from Florida northwards to the behoof of England. And whensoever afterwards the Spaniards, very prosperous in all their southern discoveries, did attempt anything into Florida and those regions inclining towards the north, they proved most unhappy, and were at length discouraged utterly by the hard and lamentable success of many both religious and valiant in arms, endeavoring to bring those northerly regions also under the Spanish jurisdiction, as if God had prescribed limits unto the Spanish nation which they might not exceed, as by their own jests recorded may be aptly gathered. The French, as they can pretend less title unto these northern parts than the Spaniard, by how much the Spaniard made the first discovery of the same continent so far northward as unto Florida, and the French did but review that before discovered by the English nation, usurping upon our right, and imposing names upon countries, rivers, bays, capes, or headlands as if they had been the first finders of those coasts, which injury we offered not unto the Spaniards, but left off to discover when we approached the Spanish limits, even so God hath not hitherto permitted them to establish a possession permanent upon another's right, notwithstanding their manifold attempts, in which the issue hath been no less tragical than that of the Spaniards, as by their own reports is extant. Then, seeing the English nation only hath right unto these countries of America from the Cape of Florida northward by the privilege of first discovery, unto which Cabot was authorized by regal authority, and set forth by the expense of our late famous King Henry VII, which right also seemeth strongly defended on our behalf by the powerful hand of Almighty God withstanding the enterprises of other nations. It may greatly encourage us upon so just ground, as is our right, and upon so sacred an intent, as to plant religion, our right and intent being meet foundations for the same, 
to prosecute effectually the full possession of those so ample and pleasant countries appertaining unto the crown of England, the same, as is to be conjectured by infallible arguments of the world's end approaching, being now arrived unto the time by God prescribed of their vocation, if ever their calling unto the knowledge of God may be expected. Which also is very probable by the revolution and course of God's word and religion, which from the beginning hath moved from the east towards, and at last unto, the west, where it is like to end, unless the same begin again where it did in the east, which were to expect a like world again. But we are assured of the contrary by the prophecy of Christ, whereby we gather that after his word preached throughout the world shall be the end. And as the gospel when it descended westward began in the south, and afterward spread into the north of Europe, even so, as the same hath begun in the south countries of America, no less hope may be gathered that it will also spread into the north. These considerations may help to suppress all dreads rising of hard events in attempts made this way by other nations, as also of the heavy success and issue in the late enterprise made by a worthy gentleman our countryman, Sir Humphrey Gilbert, Knight, who was the first of our nation that carried people to erect an habitation and government in those northerly countries of America. About which albeit he had consumed much substance, and lost his life at last, his people also perishing for the most part, yet the mystery thereof we must leave unto God, and judge charitably both of the cause, which was just in all pretense, and of the person, who was very zealous in prosecuting the same, deserving honorable remembrance for his good mind and expense of life in so virtuous an enterprise. Whereby nevertheless, lest any man should be dismayed by example of other folk's calamity, and misdeem that God doth resist all attempts intended that way, I thought good, so far as myself was an eyewitness, to deliver the circumstance and manner of our proceedings in that action, in which the gentleman was so unfortunately encumbered with wants, and worse matched with many ill-disposed people, that his rare judgment and regiment premeditated for those affairs was subjected to tolerate abuses. And in sundry extremities to hold on a course more to uphold credit than likely in his own conceit happily to succeed. The issue of such actions, being always miserable, not guided by God, who abhorreth confusion and disorder, hath left this for admonition, being the first attempt by our nation to plant, unto such as shall take the same cause in hand hereafter, not to be discouraged from it, but to make men well advised how they handle his so high and excellent matters, as the carriage is of his word into those very mighty and vast countries. An action doubtless not to be intermeddled with base purposes, as many have made the same but a color to shadow actions otherwise scarce justifiable, which doth excite God's heavy judgments in the end, to the terrifying of weak minds from the cause, without pondering his just proceedings, and doth also incense foreign princes against our attempts, how just soever, who cannot but deem the sequel very dangerous unto their state, if in those parts we should grow to strength, seeing the very beginnings are entered with spoil. And with this admonition denounced upon zeal towards God's cause, also towards those in whom appeareth disposition honorable unto this action of planting Christian people and religion in those remote and barbarous nations of America, unto whom I wish all happiness, I will now proceed to make relation briefly, yet particularly, of our voyage undertaken with Sir Humphrey Gilbert, begun, continued, and ended adversely. When first Sir Humphrey Gilbert undertook the western discovery of America, 
and had procured from Her Majesty a very large commission to inhabit and possess at his choice all remote and heathen lands not in the actual possession of any Christian prince, the same commission exemplified with many privileges, such as in his discretion he might demand, very many gentlemen of good estimation drew unto him, to associate him in so commendable an enterprise, so that the preparation was expected to grow. Unto a puissant fleet, able to encounter a king's power by sea. Nevertheless, amongst a multitude of voluntary men, their dispositions were diverse, which bred a jar, and made a division in the end, to the confusion of that attempt even before the same was begun. And when the shipping was in a manner prepared, and men ready upon the coast to go aboard, at that time some break consort, and followed courses degenerating from the voyage before pretended. Others failed of their promises contracted, and the greater number were dispersed, leaving the general with few of his assured friends, with whom he adventured to sea, where, having tasted of no less misfortune, he was shortly driven to retire home with the loss of a tall ship and, more to his grief, of a valiant gentleman, Miles Morgan. Having buried, only in a preparation, a great mass of substance, whereby his estate was impaired, his mind yet not dismayed, he continued his former designment, and purpose to revive this enterprise, good occasion serving. Upon which determination standing long without means to satisfy his desire, at last he granted certain assignments out of his commission to sundry persons of mean ability, desiring the privilege of his grant, to plant and fortify in the north parts of America about the river of Canada, to whom if God gave good success in the north parts, where then no matter of moment was expected, the same, he thought, would greatly advance the hope of the South, and be a furtherance unto his determination. That way. And the worst that might happen in that course might be excused, without prejudice unto him, by the former supposition that those North regions were of no regard. But chiefly, a possession taken in any parcel of those heathen countries, by virtue of his grant, did invest him of territories extending every way two hundred leagues, which induced Sir Humphrey Gilbert to make those assignments, desiring greatly their expedition, because his commission did expire after six years, if in that space he had not gotten actual possession. Time went away without anything done by his assigns, insomuch that at last he must resolve himself to take a voyage in person, for more assurance to keep his patent in force, which then almost was expired or within two years. In furtherance of his determination, amongst others, Sir George Peckham, knight, shewed himself very zealous to the action, greatly aiding him both by his advice and in the charge. Other gentlemen to their ability joined unto him, resolving to adventure their substance and lives in the same cause. Who beginning their preparation from that time, both of shipping, munition, victual, men, and things requisite, some of them continued the charge two years complete without intermission. Such were the difficulties and cross-accidents opposing these proceedings, which took not end in less than two years, many of which circumstances I will omit. The last place of our assembly, before we left the coast of England, was in Cosset Bay, near unto Plymouth, then resolved to put unto the sea with shipping and provisions such as we had, before our store yet remaining, but chiefly the time and season of the year, were too far spent. Nevertheless, it seemed first very doubtful by what way to shape our course, and to begin our intended discovery, either from the south northward or from the north southward. The first, that is, beginning south, 
without all controversy was the likeliest, wherein we were assured to have commodity of the current which from the Cape of Florida setteth northward, and would have furthered greatly our navigation, discovering from the foresaid Cape along towards Cape Breton, and all those lands lying to the north. Also, the year being far spent, and arrived to the month of June, we were not to spend time in northerly courses, where we should be surprised with timely winter, but to covet the south, which we had space enough then to have attained, and there might with less detriment have wintered that season, being more mild and short in the south than in the north, where winter is both long and rigorous. These and other like reasons alleged in favor of the southern course first to be taken, to the contrary was inferred that forasmuch as both our victuals and many other needful provisions were diminished and left insufficient for so long a voyage and for the wintering of so many men, we ought to shape a course most likely to minister supply, and that was to take the Newfoundland in our way, which was but seven hundred leagues from our English coast. Where being usually at that time of the year, and until the fine of August, a multitude of ships repairing thither for fish, we should be relieved abundantly with many necessaries, which, after the fishing ended, they might well spare and freely impart unto us. Not staying long upon that Newland coast, we might proceed southward, and follow still the sun, until we arrived at places more temperate to our content. By which reasons we were the rather induced to follow this northerly course, obeying unto necessity, which must be supplied. Otherwise, we doubted that sudden approach of winter, bringing with it continual fog and thick mists, tempest and rage of weather, also contrariety of currents descending from the Cape of Florida unto Cape Breton and Cape Race, would fall out to be great and irresistible impediments unto our further proceeding for that year, and compel us to winter in those north and cold regions. Wherefore, suppressing all objections to the contrary, we resolved to begin our course northward, and to follow, directly as we might, the trade way unto Newfoundland, from whence, after our refreshing and reparation of wants, we intended without delay, by God's permission, to proceed into the south, not omitting any river or bay which in all that large tract of land appeared to our view worthy of search. Immediately we agreed upon the manner of our course and orders to be observed in our voyage, which were delivered in writing, unto the captains and masters of every ship a copy, in manner following. Every ship had delivered two bullets or scrolls, the one sealed up in wax, the other left open, in both which were included several watchwords. That open, serving upon our own coast or the coast of Ireland, the other sealed, was promised on all hands not to be broken up until we should be clear of the Irish coast, which from thenceforth did serve until we arrived and met all together in such harbours of the Newfoundland as were agreed for our rendezvous. The said watchwords being requisite to know our consorts whensoever by night, either by fortune of weather, our fleet dispersed should come together again, or one should hail another, or if by ill watch and steerage one ship should chance to fall aboard of another in the dark. The reason of the bullet sealed was to keep secret that watchword while we were upon our own coast, lest any of the company stealing from the fleet might bewray the same, which known to an enemy, he might board us by night without mistrust, having our own watchword. Orders agreed upon by the captains and masters to be observed by the fleet of Sir Humphrey Gilbert. First, the admiral to carry his flag by day and his light by night. Two, if the admiral shall shorten his sail by night, 
then to shoe two lights until he be answered again by every ship shoeing one light for a short time. 3. If the admiral after his shortening of sail, as aforesaid, shall make more sail again, then he to shoe three lights one above another. 4. If the admiral shall happen to hull in the night, then to make a wavering light over his other light, wavering the light upon a pole. 5. If the fleet should happen to be scattered by weather, or other mishap, then so soon as one shall descry another, to hoise both topsails twice, if the weather will serve, and to strike them twice again, but if the weather serve not, then to hoise the main topsail twice, and forthwith to strike it twice again. 6. If it shall happen a great fog to fall, then presently every ship to bear up with the admiral, if there be wind, but if it be a calm, then every ship to hull, and so to lie at hull till it clear. And if the fog do continue long, then the admiral to shoot off two pieces every evening, and every ship to answer it with one shot, and every man bearing to the ship that is to leeward so near as he may. 7. Every master to give charge unto the watch to look out well, for laying aboard one of another in the night, and in fogs. 8. Every evening every ship to hail the admiral, and so to fall astern him, sailing thorough the ocean, and being on the coast, every ship to hail him both morning and evening. 9. If any ship be in danger in any way, by leak or otherwise, then she to shoot off a piece, and presently to hang out one light, whereupon every man to bear towards her, answering her with one light for a short time, and so to put it out again, thereby to give knowledge that they have seen her token. 10. Whensoever the admiral shall hang out her ensign in the main shrouds, then every man to come aboard her as a token of counsel. 11. If there happen any storm or contrary wind to the fleet after the discovery, whereby they are separated, then every ship to repair unto their last good port, there to meet again. Our course agreed upon. The course first to be taken for the discovery is to bear directly to Cape Race, the most southerly cape of Newfoundland, and there to harbour ourselves either in Rogno or Firmus, being the first places appointed for our rendezvous, and the next harbours unto the northward of Cape Race, and therefore every ship separated from the fleet to repair to that place so fast as God shall permit, whether you shall fall to the southward or to the northward of it, and there to stay for the meeting of the whole fleet the space of ten days, and when you shall depart, to leave marks. Beginning our course from Scilly, the nearest is by west-southwest, if the winds serve, until such time as we have brought ourselves in the latitude of 43 or 44 degrees, because the ocean is subject much to southerly winds in June and July. Then to take traverse from 45 to 47 degrees of latitude, if we be enforced by contrary winds, and not to go to the northward of the height of 47 degrees of septentrional latitude by no means, if God shall not enforce the contrary, but to do your endeavor to keep in the height of 46 degrees, so near as you can possibly, because Cape Race leath about that height. Note that if by contrary winds we be driven back upon the coast of England, then to repair unto Scilly for a place of our assembly or meeting. If we be driven back by contrary winds that we cannot pass the coast of Ireland, then the place of our assembly to be at Bear Haven or Baltimore Haven. If we shall not happen to meet at Cape Race, then the place of rendezvous, to be at Cape Breton, or the nearest harbour unto the westward of Cape Breton. If by means of other shipping we may not safely stay there, 
then to rest at the very next safe port to the westward, every ship leaving their marks behind them for the more certainty of the aftercomers to know where to find them. The marks that every man ought to leave in such a case, were of the general's private device written by himself, sealed also in close wax, and delivered unto every ship one scroll, which was not to be opened until occasion required, whereby every man was certified what to leave for instruction of aftercomers, that every of us coming into any harbour or river might know who had been there, or whether any were still there up higher into the river, or departed, and which way.